Welcome to the Church Podcast, talking all things ministry to help you do church better. I'm your co-host, John Ronaldo, and joined here, as always, always and forever, Chris Wesley. What's up, my friend? Always and forever. Whoa, I don't Isn't know. Isn't there a I song? I don't always know. and forever. I don't know. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think there is, but I don't think it goes anything <laughs> like that. So, um, so anyway, yes, always and forever. Uh, John Ronaldo, will you be my podcast partner? Uh, but anyway, uh, yeah, no, um, uh, we're fired up, uh, people, uh, not just because, uh, you know, it's, uh, the school year and both of our kids, all of our kids are in school and so we get this world of uninterrupted work sorry to rub that into people who are uh, listening to this while trying to find sanity because their kids are home but uh that's just and, the reality and there's a lot of kids at home still so yeah oh, there are tons of them at home and uh i you know special shout out to my coworker amy budrazzi who has eight kids and all eight kids are home and uh, she's like, our house is just a, you know, a one room school, schoolhouse, you know, like back what they had in the early uh, 19th century. So they just need to paint the house red and they're good to go. Right. There you go. There you go. So, um, you know, uh, but we're not going to talk about schools uh, quite yet um, or at all. But uh, we're, we're, we're going to talk about kind of the current state and reality of uh, what's going on in ministry, because while school's going back in session, um, you know, so is uh, the plan for faith formation. Uh, John, I don't know about you, but recently Maryland announced that they are opening up to phase three, which means worship centers can go to 75% capacity, um, where originally it was 50, but our archdiocese said 30. And I know I'm throwing a bunch of numbers out there. Bottom line, we're going to probably be able to welcome more people back into the church building. And it does bring up that question, are people going to come back? But not just to mass, are people going to come back to the other things that we do, the other things that we offer? And, uh, you know, uh, I'll share our early enrollment numbers um, are very pathetic right now. Uh, so, you know, uh, we're at about 20%. We're usually at this time, we're at like 75% of our enrollment. And uh, um, we, we usually start at the end of September um, when you guys are, are listening to this. And so... Uh, is it reason for panic? Uh, it could be, um, but it's definitely a reason to relook at the strategy and, and look at how we're doing things in ministry. But this isn't just a formation conversation. This isn't just a mass conversation. This is what is the church going to look like as we open things back up? Well, and Chris, you talked about before, well, before we started recording this idea of, uh, of what's our recovery plan, right? How are we going to recover from this? And, and, and look, now is this episode is coming out September, mid-September, right? You know, and so most of you listening to this already have a sense of what your numbers are. Maybe you've already started your formation. Maybe some of you are waiting until October. That's fine. But I, I'm seeing this across the board, right? So basically, Chris, if you had 100 kids registered last year in your faith formation, this year right now, you've got 20 of those 100 kids, right? At that 20% mm -hmm. mark, right? Right. The, that is what I'm hearing and seeing across the country right now. Numbers are way down. And here's the thing. People are surprised um, by that. We're like, oh, it's open up. You know, you know, people should be re registering and, and kind of coming back on. Folks, we've talked about this in previous episodes, and, and, and I, I don't want to be a Debbie Downer on this, but we saw this coming, Chris. Like, people are not coming back. And here's the thing. There are a lot of people who think that 
it still has to do with COVID fear. There is the percentage of folks who are, are legitimately fearful about COVID and getting it, and they have some reasons for that, right? But what I'm also hearing more about, and, and, and I'm going to be honest, I don't have enough da objective data yet to really drive some of this conversation yet, and, and I'm looking for that. Uh, and if you see it, send it our way because we want that. Because, But what I am hearing, Chris, and you're hearing it too, is, is I'm hearing a lot of subjective stories of what people are dealing with. And, and, and here's, here's the analogy I'm going to use. The house is on fire. And, and I'm creating some urgency around this because I think it, we need to urgently think differently on this. And, and our field is on fire. Everything's on fire. And I think many of us in church ministry are, are being ostriches, you know, and the whole analogy where it, when ostrich sees something coming, that's a crisis, all it does is bury its head in the sand, right? Hoping that it will pass and then it'll lift its head out of the sand and it will keep going about its, its life as normal. But here's the reality, Chris, for some urgency around this. We've got our head in the sand, but our body is still on fire because everything around us is on fire. That's not a good place to be. <laughs> it's not a good place to be. And, and I think I, the, the point of this episode, you know, is, is to have some conversation. What does recovery plan look like? So we've talked about formation ideas in past episodes and we're not going to rehash any of those because yes we still need to be doing formation i'm not saying we should stop doing that but what else are we doing in light of the fact that only 20 percent or 25 percent of our, our people are coming back to you know faith formation we'll see what happens when people open up you know full masses but i think people are, are surprised that the numbers are so low and, and and i think we're hitting a reckoning point right uh i think come october 1st 2020 People are going to be smacked in the face of the reality of this. The numbers are going to be down. First of all, let me say that's okay. But then what does that mean for our response as church? For the longest time, we have put all of our eggs in one basket, and it's been formation and mast, generally speaking. Those baskets are not full, and they're not going to be full, and there are eggs all over the place. How are we going to gather those eggs, Chris? <laughs> what I'm loving right now, John, is you are so lost in analogies. I'm like, <laughs> are these ostrich eggs? Like, are they? Yeah, like, yes, you know? they are. Okay, all right. So, but no, I, I agree with you. I think that the the house is on fire, and uh, and that we uh, this this is emergency mode. This is um, triage ministry, and. You know, it's hard. It's hard. I don't want to like uh, sit here and, and criticize people for not acting because as someone who works in a parish, right, um, it, it, it was hard because one, I'm trying to figure out how my life is supposed to work. And then it's, you know, trying to serve other people. But I think the first step is, is recognizing the fact that um, business as usual is just not going to work. And if anything, it's going to hurt. Um, I think business as usual is, is going to hurt your efforts to ministry using your ostrich analogy, right? We can't ignore this any anymore. Um, the the second part of it is is admitting the fact that all right, <clears throat> there are not there are people who are not here that should be here. There are people who are missing, and, and whether that's from your youth ministry, from mass, uh, from some of your um, outreach uh, efforts, and everything like that, there are people who are missing. Um, but I mean, the good news is 
people are there, right? They're, they're waiting. Um, you know, it's not like, even though things are opening back up in some states over others, it, they haven't filled their schedules quite yet. Um, you know, and, uh, and so there, there's, there's still time to, to address it. And, and so, you know, where, when I'm looking at it as, as a youth minister, I'll put my youth minister hat on is I know come, you know, October 1st, our numbers are going to be small. Um, to the point of where, like when I first started at my current parish, right? But I want them to grow by the end of May. And that's a mentality I don't think a lot of people have, just staying in the formation realm, we don't really have that mentality in formation, right? The way that we treat it is the deadline to sign up and then we go, right? And and that's a mentality that leaks throughout the church that I think is just, is, is wrong and, and is, um, it's, it's not about evangelization, right? Your formation programs can be evangelization. And, uh, and so day one, you start your programs. Don't wait for like the people to sign up, right? You start your programs and then you, you do a couple of things. You um, incorporate a culture of invest and invite. You create, um, you know, uh, uh, you empower your volunteers, your team who are there to um, reach out to people. Uh, who, who used to be a part of that. Um, you reach out to parishioners you know you haven't seen in a long time. You, you get yourself out of your office chair in your car and you drive around. And I know that's uh, maybe oversimplifying the solution, but um, basically bottom line again is recognizing the fact that there is a problem that, um, and, and that in most ways we have to start over. And let's be okay with that, right? You know, mm-hmm. I'm working with one client right now who, who the pastor basically said, look, your, your numbers are not going to be anywhere near last year. And he's talking directly to his faith formation director and his youth ministry leaders. And, said, and he said, that's okay. Pretend you're starting from zero because you are starting from zero. First of all, good on him because he's absolutely right. Because let's, let's take what we get. But now our efforts can't be just about formation. What else are we going to do? Now, here's, we're going to get into some practical stuff here in a second, but, but let me just say a couple of things here. First of all, every crisis comes with an opportunity, right? So I just ra- waved a red flag, right? I just said the house is on fire, okay? That should cause us to be concerned. And there's opportunity in this. Absolutely. The, the, the opportunity is ripe for evangelization, for relationship building and reaching out. That's the lens that we're going to talk about that. So now that we're all negative on you, we're going to get all positive on you because it really is an opportunity. Chris, I have shared this following story with, I don't know, five times in the past week and a half, two weeks. And I'm going to share it right now. Okay. And those of you who are parents of kids, either young kids or, or teens are going to get this, even college students. Those of you who are not, either you don't have kids or you're kind of out of it, maybe you'll be uh, you know, kind of shocked by this. But the fact is, everybody I've told this story to is like, oh, yeah, I didn't think about that. Okay, so Chris, put yourself, and it's easy for you because you are a parent, put yourself (laughs) in the shoes of your normal parent today. What are they dealing with? Let me me just name a couple things that they're dealing with. So first of all, the biggest issue, it's not even COVID, the biggest issue is school. For, For years, we just went on this routine. Kids start school September, August, whenever they start, and, and they're going in person, and they're there five days a week, right? Now what we are seeing this year is parents not knowing what school is going to look like for their kids up to two weeks before school starts. I've heard stories about school districts and states and counties making changes two weeks before school starts. 
and I can say right here in Las Vegas, that happened. Clark County schools were saying, we're going to do a hybrid model where you're in two days a week and off three days a week. That was their initial plan. And then literally two and a half weeks before school started, they're like, nope, just kidding. We're going to do it all online, all virtual. I'm, this is not about debating those policies at all. It's not about that. But put yourself in the shoes of the parents. So here we got parents who usually know what the beginning of school routine looks like. And that's up in the air even two weeks before. And then, like many, some are face-to-face. Their lives are a little bit more normal, but many are not, right? All of California is virtual. All the public schools in Nevada are virtual, right? And, and, and that's, that's the reality in some, a lot of places, and some are hybrid. So now, I have to, as a parent, I have to figure out how do I help my kid get educated, virtually or hybrid, right? Because I can't leave them home alone, especially if they're young right? Teens, it's a little bit different story, right? So what do I do? I still have to work and I'm going into work or I'm doing online work, but now I've got to keep supporting my kid for who knows how long. So the uncertainty of all that is just jarring for families. Like it is, the stability of this year is gone, okay? Now, let's add the economic factors, Chris. I'm a parent who has been laid off or I'm a parent who has job insecurity, right? What are the numbers? 30 million people have been laid off in the United States. How many more have unsecured jobs? Because this is not over. This economic issue is not over, right? So how many people are like, I need to be looking for other jobs. I need to be paying attention because I'm not sure. So now I've got to figure out how to educate my kid. I have, I'm looking for a job because I either don't have a job or I'm uncertain. And now add COVID and add the health factors, I've been affected or my kids or my parents have been affected, right? And so either I'm worried about my own health, I'm worried about my, my grandparents' health or whatnot, right? You know, and so then there's that. Now, let's go crazy. Going to the grocery store sucks right now. It's not normal. I have to wear a mask. Everything's wrapped in like, you know, plastic wrap and like you can't touch anything like you know uh and and there's a tension that's there because it's not normal and then you add the racial stuff that's happening and you add the election that's happening chris you tell me if parents have a good reason to not put one more thing on their plate that is called faith formation or church yeah but john it's all about the eucharist you know like no, you're, you're, you're absolutely right. You're 100% right. And like, um, it, it's kind of like, now, you're right, but I wish you weren't right. And why I wish you weren't right is because we all know deep down inside that something like faith formation, right? That, of course, the sacraments, right, would help people through these situations. We know that the one thing that they absolutely would need right now is church community and, and the sacraments. But we have done such a poor job in the years, and we've labeled it as poor catechesis or whatever, but we've done such a poor job of not only articulating its value, but producing its value or, or um, sharing it, that um, people are just, it's not even on their radars. They're not even considering it. Um, and, and, and so, right, as a church, that's, we have to be okay with the fact that people aren't signing up because we also have to acknowledge the fact that we just weren't doing a good job beforehand. 
Yeah, and that's fine. And let's own that. But but just as important, I would ask you who are listening, are were you surprised to hear any of the stuff that I shared or was thinking about? Some of you maybe, some of you maybe not. And that's fine. And and that's not a critique. But part of our challenge is then how do we stay connected and really a company and journey alongside families during this time that's just totally, totally different. That's what I want to have some conversation about and what that looks like. Because the reality is, I agree with you. I want Eucharist, I want faith formation to be front and center for folks, but we know it's not, okay? We know the majority of folks, it's not. And, and there are minority folks who it is and always will be. You can have mass up on the roof, you can have mass at Walmart, you can have mass inside, outside, anywhere else, and they're gonna be there. But that's a, a handful of people in our parishes. That's the minority, right? The rest of us are going like, I've got a three-year-old kid, I just don't wanna deal with the, him having to put a mask on, you know, cause it's hard to have him keep the mask on and let you yeah, control his behavior. So he's not going to like say hi to people or go touch them. Like, like as a parent with young kids, like that's a little overwhelming, like to even think about that. Right. You know, it was, so one of the questions I would pose to folks, not that you have to get rid of your faith formation program. I'm not, I'm not saying that, but what if, what if the, the thrust of your faith formation, your, your activity as a staff member or as a volunteer at the parish had nothing to do with formation and catechesis and it ever do with accompanying and connecting, visiting and finding out what's going on with them, right? We had all this mission, missionary zeal at the beginning of all this. We called people, we connected with people. I know parishes who created little goodie bags and delivered it to people, which I think is a genius idea, right? Even though we can't be together, we remember you, here's some goodies for you and your kids, you know, with a little I don't know, card, you know, prayer card, I don't know what, right? With, with your parish branding on it, right? Those are some of the things that we've seen. So we did that in March and April. Do we keep doing that? right? What does that look like? One, one youth ministry client I'm working with, I said, what if, why don't you work with your, your front office staff, create a list, have them pull from the database, every family that has an adolescent in it, right? And maybe one phone call or one email a week, a day, right? Monday through Thursday, right? You know, each of you take a name, you know, and just make a call and say, and check in, not Hey, are you signed up for faith formation? No, not about that. How are you doing? What's going on with your kid's schooling? Like, how is your kid handling on this? Is there anything you need from us? Can I drop off a little goodie bag for you? Can, can I come say hi? We can have a short conversation out in the patio, social distance, you know, like, like that type of thing. Like, what if your entire fall between now and the new year was just, just that? Would that be bad? I think that would be amazing, right? Now, because again, people are still isolated, right? And, and, and they want to know, like, look, if, if our church community cares, show it. Show it by our actions, right? And follow through on that. And so, again, I think there's lots of ways of doing that. But what if that was the only thing you did now between now and December 31st? I think that's a huge win. Again, I'm not saying you, you ditch everything else. I'm just saying, what if we put priority focus on that and really connect and get to know what are our families really dealing with and connecting with? Because at some point they're going to go, wow, St. Joseph, St. Ambrose, whatever parish, St. Michael's, right? 
they reached out to me in this time and they really cared. And they're going to remember that in this time of conflict. And, and maybe you won't see the dividends of that till 2021 or 2022 even, right? But that is going to go a long way than just doing faith formation and just assuming everyone should register and then not reaching out to anybody afterwards. I don't know, Chris, what, what, what are you guys thinking about and doing that? Those are the conversations I'm having with some of my clients. Like what's happening with you at St. Joseph and, and some of the things you do in a marathon youth ministry, what are you hearing around strategies today when it comes to <laughs> certainly the formation piece, but how do we stay connected during this time? Well, yeah, I would even back up and, and it, whether you're the pastor or business administrator, youth minister, DRE, um, you know, you need to rally your team around and start with them, right? So like, you know, there was a, a point, John, where I was dropping the ball with my team. In fact, I had scheduled a, an evening Zoom meeting and totally forgot about it. And I get a text from a volunteer being like, hey, Chris, we never got the, the link to the meeting. And my response was, what meeting? Like, that's how bad it was, right? And uh, so I apologized and sent out an email to everyone and, and scheduled another meeting. And uh, fortunately, I had a, a good turnout. And, you know, I just, I said to them, like, hey, guys, listen, um, I don't want to, you know, uh, blame the, the whole pandemic and everything like that. But I just want to let you know that I've been dropping the ball. I have not communicated as clearly as I want to you guys. Uh, but I, I want to know how you are all doing. Right. I'm going to share with you my plan for youth ministry, but let's just talk about how we're doing. And then we spent time praying for the students um, and their families in the community. And in fact, um, well, and I'll get to a, a practical idea in a second, but, um, but yeah, basically uh, we just spent time just, just checking in with one another, you know, and, um, and I think you need to start with your team because then one thing you can ask your team to do is help you reach out to families. And I think it has to go beyond just the phone calls we were doing earlier, where it's like, Hey, you know, this is crazy. Like, what are you doing? Like, you know, how are you managing? And this really needs to be in the, like, there, there needs to be a little bit of like, Hey, this is, you know, how are you doing? But like, just to let you know, this is what we're doing and this could help you. Right. Um, and uh, you know, before you, you think about like, well, I'll invite them to faith formation. Before you even think about that, think about what are some of the things that your parish can do along those lines. So one thing, one practical idea that we're doing for our, our middle school and high school students, um, and, and this works out because Baltimore County um, on Wednesdays has like a free work day. So kids will not be on, uh, on uh, virtual classrooms. They'll be able to catch up on work. So we're opening up our parish center for high school and middle school students. You'll have to sign up so that we can limit the amount. And we're gonna just recruit tutors. Um, and even if we don't get enough tutors, we're just gonna have um, students gather together just to have study groups and work groups because we know that they are missing out on that. And that's a huge hole in their life. Um, if we can give parents a little bit of a reprieve because they can get their student out of the house so that their student doesn't drive them crazy or you know, like parents don't need to manage their middle school and high school students too much compared to younger kids, but that's a service that, that we're going to provide and uh, just let these students and these families know that this is something that we're offering. So we're going to call up and uh, call parents and families to let them know that this is something that we're going to offer. If there's something you can do simply like that, that's for them, you know, then that's going to be huge in, in that response. Um, one other practical idea, and, and this this, uh, I, I can't take credit for it. Um, Craig Gould, who uh, is our diocesan director here, he, he mentioned this. 
is we need to be driving around our neighborhoods praying for um, people, praying for the mission fields. And so, you know, one of the things that we're going to do is um, get in our cars uh, throughout the weeks and just drive around the neighborhoods we know our kids live in and just pray for them. You know, we're not going to invite the kids out, you know, um, you know, we'll just be that creepy car that slowly rolls down the street. But no, in all seriousness, uh, we just want to pray for the students and and their families and, and you know, um, ask that God just blesses them through this this period. So those are two practical ideas that do not take a lot of work um, that are pretty simple to do and provide a need that tell people we care. Opening up the parish hall to or whatever rooms to do that type of, you know, distant learning, right? Oh my gosh, like th that if there's a conversation that hasn't been had in the educational field, that at least that I haven't heard, you know, in general is, is how are working parents going to, to do distance learning, right? And, and what are the solutions to that? Now, this is not a, a Catholic example of it, but I'm really proud that they're doing this. So uh, boys and girls clubs across the country, you know, depending on where you're at, I know this is true in Nevada, I know it's true in parts of California as well, you know, that they are opening up during the day, right? Boys and Girls Clubs and after school programming thing for, for low income families, right? They're opening up during the day now, you know, from 8 a.m. to whatever uh, for a very nominal fee. I know like in Santa Clara County in Northern California, it's $100 a week, which is nothing, right? And, you know, they're going to have staff, Boys and Girls Club staff on site to help guide kids in their virtual learning that they have to do at home or, you know, or, and, and they know that mom and dad have to work or, or maybe don't have the language proficiency to help their kid in English, for instance, or whatnot, right? Um, what a huge win, right? You know, for Boys and Girls Clubs to do that. And until you had said that, Chris, wow, what if parishes were able to do that too? Now, there's some, there's some logistics that have to be thought through, right, Chris? And I'm sure you guys are thinking through that, right? And I know you're doing that just on what, those Wednesdays, those kinds of those work-free you know, days. We're starting on Wednesdays, just a couple of hours, just to start out because, yep. you know, um, but yeah, there, there are the logistics. One, just safety, right? Like yep. make kids wear masks and everything like that. Um, the other thing is churches aren't known for the best Wi-Fi. Uh, so you, <laughs> you might want to make sure that uh, you have that there because they're not rolling up in their marble notebooks, um, you know, and just uh, um, and, and, and making sure that you have, uh, you know, uh, that that you're there to make sure that they're they're focusing on the work, you know, that you have volunteers who and, and just think about how many retired teachers are in your area, how many, um, you know, uh, just uh, men and women who maybe have a skill set with writing, or just uh, you know former accountants or things like that that you could bring on just to um, bring them together. Even just think about your seniors and having them come on and teaching them how to write their essays. You know, for for um, college. You know, just those are simple things that a church can provide even outside the pandemic, um, just to help uh, the young people in your community grow. Yeah. You know, that is being practical. That is filling a need, a perceived need that parents and families have today. And I go back to it. A need that they don't feel they have today is faith formation. And it sounds bad to say that, 
But given the circumstances, again, how, I keep using the analogy of pivoting, right? How do we pivot? How do we turn this crisis into an opportunity and think differently, right? Don't just go back to normal. We keep kind of whipping on that, right, Chris? We keep kind of saying that. Like, there's no such thing. It's not going to happen. You know, and, and we've said this before, COVID is accelerating the trends that were already existing in terms of people exiting the church. It didn't cause it, it accelerated. And one of my friends and colleagues, Matt Schwartz said, you know, COVID has become the escape hatch for many families to escape church permanently, right? You know, uh, and I agree with that statement. Now, this is where I'm, oh, I, you know, the data is just not out there yet. The objective data is not out there. I'm hearing stories. I'm hearing lots of stories. Well, we're, we're waiting for the data. I don't think the data is far away to kind of start confirming this. You know, now, let, let me say one other thing here, Chris, uh, as we begin to kind of wrap up is I think there are, are folks out there, it might be pastors, might be clergy, might be bishops, might be other folks that think it's, it's the current dispensations of masses that are keeping people away from masses. I'm going to say emphatically, that's not it. The majority of parishioners, you know, couldn't care less about dispensation and obligation. And, and I'm just being truthful, Chris. I'm just naming it, right? You know, I, one state, you know, I think, you know, just recently said, you know, their entire state is, is re, re, removing the dispensation. And, and, and I think they truly believe that that's what's going to get the churches full again. No, I, I, the data is not suggesting that, right? The stories I'm hearing is not suggesting that. Uh, and, and again, I, I think it will be a wait and see, you know, as they start to live, the, as the state starts to live that this out. I am very interested to see what their September and October counts are going to look like, you know, those mass counts, because I don't think it has anything to do with dispensations. Chris, do you agree, disagree with me on that? You know? Yeah, I mean, like, I... I agree. And uh, I, I think if you're lifting the dispensation because you think it's going to bring people back, that that's not correct. I, I agree with that. Um, whether you want to lift the dispensation just for other reasons, that's, that's fine. Yeah, that's fine. Right. Yeah. But, but like, yeah, don't use it as a, a carrot to, to bring people back. Um, you know, it really does come back to the fact of like, what does the church do for me like what what are we asking um not from people but for people and uh you know um you know the the other thing is even if you move forward with your formation programs which i, I think you should but you know think about like what exactly are you teaching um i heard doug too um recently give a, a great presentation on this you know in, in regards to like you know why we should be teaching kids um and teens how to journal Right. Like how we should be introducing them to mobile app phone, you know, mobile apps um, that can help with their prayer life and everything like that. How we should be looking at the fact that their new sanctuary is really their bedrooms because they're going to be spending a lot of time in there. So what sacramentals are they putting in there as well? So, you know, as a church, like um, we don't have to change. We don't have to create new content for this, but we do have to like look at, OK, how like what content should we be focusing on? You know that's going to help them in their current case because here's the things teenagers kids family members spending a lot of time at home and not having a lot of places to escape to are going to need to figure out how to have like that that quiet prayer space that that sanctuary within their home 
And, uh, and that's not going to be something that's going to deter them from coming back from church. If anything, that's going to be something that's going to encourage them to come back to church as church doors open, as uh, number uh, allowances increases. And, and so, yeah, I mean, I, I think like I, I, we can't go back to this just, well, we'll make them or we'll guilt them or we'll trick them into coming back to church because that wasn't working before and it never worked and it's, it's not going to work now. I think it worked. I think it did work at one point. It was a long time ago, but the the, the secular. Well, it was today. death or church. <laughs> yes, John. Yes. Okay. Thank you so much. Do you feel better? You yes, feel better I do. I do. Okay. Thank right, you for that. Right. But but I think like the prayer table idea, right? Giving people, uh, teaching them how to do that because most people have not not done that at home, right? We, at Paris Success Group in late August, we did a webinar that was uh, all in Spanish and it was geared towards parents and, and, and pastoral leaders in the Hispanic Latino community. Uh, and, and we talked about that. that, was one of the talking points. It's like, how do we train people to do prayer tables at home, whether in their room uh, or a common place? And I know like, for instance, in Latino Hispanic community, I do this uh, as being, being part Mexican is, is every November, October, November, we do an ofrenda, right? We do, we do an altar uh, for uh, the day of the dead, the other mortals, right? And we put my, my grandma, my dad, and all these other people, you know, in our life on that, right? The idea for certainly in some of our cultural communities of, of a, a prayer space and an altar is not foreign. We just have to take it out of the certain seasonal time frame, right? Mm -hmm. That often falls in like October, November for certainly Latino Hispanic community, um, uh, you know, and do that year round. Like, and, and how do we train parents and give them some resources to do that and to think about that as an opportunity? I love that idea, right? That's an incredible idea. Go Doug Took. Doug Took, former guest on the church podcast. So we'll have to former link. Former guest. We'll have to have him back. We, we need him back. He's yeah, not a so former guest. We'll, 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 we'll link to the shows that he's done with us, just in case you're wondering, like, who's this Doug Took? Uh, we like him. He's a good guy. So we'll, we'll, we'll link to our previous episodes with Doug. It's been a while since we've had him on. It, it has. It has. We, we've done a lot of these uh, since then. Um, but, yeah, so what we're, again, bottom line, um, don't ignore the fact that things are not uh, good, um, that uh, yes, numbers are down and continuing to decline, the house is on fire, but with that, there are opportunities to move forward. And and, and that's what, you know, we're, we're hoping to provide some of those uh, ideas. Uh, we know that many of you guys are, are killing it with different ideas. And, and if you have those, we'd love for you to share them with us so that we can share them here on the podcast. Um, if you want to reach out to us, you can go to thechurchpodcast.org and shoot us an email at questions at thechurchpodcast.org. But John, before we uh, wrap this up, any any other thoughts or, or, or points uh, that you want to share? Just let's take our head out of the sand. Let's not let's not be the ostrich. This is this is going to the world's going to look different. So let's not pretend it's going to stay the same. Uh, let's start moving on that now. The sooner we start pivoting, the sooner we start responding to the reality of today, the better off we're going to be in the long run. But this is a long haul conversation that we're going to be having for sure. Awesome. Awesome. So again, if you have uh, questions or thoughts, go to thechurchpodcast.org um, or shoot us an email at questions at thechurchpodcast.org. If you want to learn more about what John's doing with Parish Success Group, uh, John, how can people find you? 
As always, check us out at parasuccessgroup.com. Uh, check out what we're doing there. We've got some uh, cool master classes and webinars coming up over the course of, of the next uh, you know, six months to a year. We're going to start putting some more up there. So, so stay tuned for all that. If we can't travel to you, then maybe we can connect in a digital space. So join us. Awesome. And uh, yeah, if you want to connect with me, all things Marathon Youth Ministry, go to MarathonYouthMinistry.com. Uh, we also have a, a masterclass for youth ministers and DREs starting up in October. And so registration is open, uh, which you should uh, definitely check that out. Um, but uh, yeah, we're just here to serve. We're here to accompany you, walk with you guys. Um, once in a while, I'll give you a kick in the butt, but uh, we are glad and thankful for your listenership. Thank you for all that you do. And if you enjoyed this episode or previous episodes, please feel free to share it uh, with coworkers, family, friends, uh, anyone who you think might grow from this or leave a five-star review on iTunes or Spotify or anywhere this podcast can heard, be heard. John, thanks again for bringing this topic to light. Uh, let's pray. And Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you so much for this uh, time and opportunity to, to address a uh, the urgency, Lord, the importance and urgency of um, of where the church is going, and and uh, there are so many lost sheep, Lord. There are so many men and women out there, children who are thirsty and hungry for you and your grace and your love. And you've called us, the local church, Lord, to um, to be that conduit, to be that uh, that source to to help them find you. And and God, I pray that we don't get stuck in our old ways that we don't get stuck in our tracks and paths, but that you call us to a new way of ministry, a new way of leadership, and a new way of discipleship. Lord, thank you so much for everything that you've given us. We love you. In your name we pray. Amen. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.